Hello everybody, welcome to this week's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you are doing great. Now today we've got another fantastic guest on today. We have another golf coach who lives in the US. Now this golf coach is a Golf Digest Top 50 coach in America. He's a Golf Pass staff instructor. He's Trackman University partner, one of only nine in the world. Trackman is obviously the launch monitor. He hosts numerous golf schools over the world. He's a great golf coach with over 25 years of coaching experience. Somebody who certainly we look up to as a coach and, uh, and we learn from as well. So in this podcast, we really dive deep into some of the issues that we just generally see as golf coaches. Andrew talks about some of the things that he just consistently sees and what he likes to see in the golf swing from his students. We also then dive into technology, how important technology is and some of the benefits of having lessons with technology and what you can learn from that as well. So if you're new to the podcast, then make sure you head over to iTunes and subscribe. We do podcasts every single week. We have some amazing guests and we've really got some top class content for you. Now, we'd also love to get your feedback. So wherever you listen to this, make sure you screenshot this and tag us in on social at me and my golf and let us know what your thoughts are. Did you enjoy it? Was it valuable? And if it was valuable, then maybe share it with a friend to help them out too. So we know you're going to enjoy this one, guys. So please welcome to the podcast, Andrew Rice. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. How are you? James, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me on. Looking forward to it. Yes, always good to chat. Obviously, I was on your, your IG Live the other week, and it was great to chat and just discuss all things golf. So we thought, well, look, we'll get you on and, and get you in front of our listeners and uh, talk, actually, about technology in golf today because it's, uh, it's becoming more and more prominent, and it's, it's certainly an important part for us as coaches but we thought we'll dive deep into some of the things that you're using. I know you're heavily into technology in your coaching and uh, you know, you're, you're certainly a guy who's respected in the golf world and somebody who we look up to and learn from. So it's great to have you on and, and to share your, your thoughts and your sort of points on golf. Before we get into it, or, or well, let's get into it. What are, what are the things that consistently show up? You do a lot of golf schools, you do a lot of sort of uh, travel, you, you coach a lot of guys. What are the things that consistently keep showing up that are, that are stopping golfers from getting better in your in your mind from a technical aspect? Guys, I, I would say, you know, it's something uh, my wife and I, during this lockdown time, we get to go out and run or walk every morning. And we, we live in a golf community and there's a driving range that we run and walk past every morning. And so I get to see our golf course is open. And so there's golfers out there warming up. And um, I haven't seen many golfers over the last few weeks, but certainly... Each morning, I get to see pretty much the same swing out there. And uh, golfers, I know as soon as I say this, are going to go, oh, that's me. Uh, it's a lot of arms in the backswing. Uh, and then this big spin out, lifting the lead foot, peeling across the golf ball. That's the typical one. That's the typical one. Of course, everybody's unique. And I've been teaching for long enough, and you guys certainly have done this long enough to know that everybody is unique and we've got to treat everyone like an individual uh, but that is i would say the average everyday cookie cutter golf swing that i see most typically is lift the arms up to the top the back swing isn't that long and i'm talking typically males typically older um, the back swing isn't that long and then there's a lot of spin on the way through with some stand up and uh just not very good shots yeah, we know it makes it hard from when they're doing that. And why do you think, obviously that's what we see, why do you think people struggle so much with that? And why do you think we see consistent patterns like that? Why do you think it's a reoccurring thing? You know, uh, 
you guys have spoken to a lot of different coaches from all over the world, and, and I, I learned this a long time ago, that golf swings in Australia and golf swings in Italy and golf swings in England and America, <laughs> they all, we all struggle with the same thing. We all struggle with the same thing. Um, I think it's mostly because golfers don't really... People who typically play golf, they've got a job, they've got a life outside of golf. I'm talking the average everyday golfer here, certainly. Uh, they're not in that great a physical condition, generally speaking. And so as a result, their body doesn't move and their body typically uh, resists some of the motion that is required to make good golf swing. And I think that's why there's a lot of arm lift. Uh, I call it lightning rod, that very steep look to the down in the early part of the downswing where the player is going to have to uh, compensate at the last second in that last quarter second coming into the golf ball where they've got to stand up, push their arms out. That gets the toe down into the ground uh, and hope to, you know, the thing is from that very steep early part of the downswing, you can hit low slices and you can hit high block hooks. Uh, it just how you compensate and, and I find so often golfers are looking for they're looking for this, this magical cure, it's like well if I fix that position, does that take care of everything uh, no it doesn't it's so complex but our job as teachers, our job as content communicators so to speak is we've got to make certain things seem simple and I really do believe that we can do that. We can do a good job with the vast majority of golfers out there in making it simple. If you want to rotate better in the downswing, get the club head behind you. That's a good start. Uh, and then we can take it from there. But there's so many different things that golfers do. The pattern that we see, the typical pattern, is that steep start to the downswing and then it's up to the individual athlete to see how they compensate and what kind of success they have from there typically it's not peak level performance <laughs> no absolutely and you're absolutely right and it's it's a very common trend isn't it so you know that the search results in google for shallowing the shaft playing a draw stop coming over the top stop slicing it they all tend to derive from this but so yeah obviously it's, it's, it's massively common but as far as a concept or your style or your philosophy do you have a philosophy and what is that and what sort of things do you like to see in the golf swing we've kind of alluded to a few there i'm sure but you know so if you, just so concept philosophy and then what do you like to see in a golf swing guys you see this in your coaching because i know you you coach and you love to coach you see this it's it's that stand-up look at impact where there's not much hip rotation. Uh, yeah, I call it the one-cheek impact. All the pros have got a two-cheek impact from down the line. Most golfers have got a one-cheek impact with high hands coming into impact. And that's the product of that deep start to the downswing. And so my take is this. Uh, I think almost every golf coach I know of has a preference, has mm -hmm. a concept, a philosophy, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I certainly do when it comes to the downswing. Everything I work towards in my lessons is to help improve a player's downswing, and typically the early part of the downswing. If we can do that, 
Now we can stimulate a little bit more rotation. Now we can look to managing the club face, not quite, not getting quite as flippy. Uh, the challenge that so many golfers face is when they get steep in that early part of the downswing, they stand up, they shove their hands out. Well, what does that do? That ducks the club head back to the inside. Fantastic. One problem. The club face, club face is now compromised. And so that golfer's got to, I call it stand and deliver. They've got to stand coming into impact and then deliver the face with their hands in the hopes that their timing is good that day. And we all know this one, guys. If, if, if that golfer, that seven handicap gets out there and they're even par through seven holes, their timing is good that day. But then the Bunsen burner gets turned up, the pressure ramps up, and all of a sudden, <laughs> and so really, it's how can we improve a player's downswing? This is my concept. How can I improve a player's downswing so they can be more predictable coming into impact? So they can be more predictable. Every golfer is going to use that magic word, and I don't really like it, that magic word called consistency. And so when... When a player says, I want to be consistent, well, I'm like, yeah, you see this, this picture here? <laughs> Very consistent in this picture, but it's tough to control and predict what your golf ball is going to do from that position. And so that's, yeah. that's really it. it. It's let's get the downswing better because I, I love it. I think somebody did a couple of months ago, they took Matthew Wolf's swing and John Rahm's swing and they overlaid them on top of one another and you, they showed them at the top Matthew Wolf and John Rahm could not be more opposite <laughs> at the top and by the time they got to halfway through the downswing it was almost as if they were the same player yeah and so Christ. we don't need the backswing to look a particular way uh, we need that downswing to be on point but if we need to alter what the player is doing as they get up to the top in order to upgrade where that club is on the way down, then we'll do that. Because I know this is something that you do. We've spoke to you. We've done a video on it before when we did the video at the Orlando show. You know, your main content then was about priming the backswing with the things that you like, you know, getting the wrist angles as we want, obviously controlling the club face. And, and pretty much if you could get those two okay and then obviously get the arms across the chest a bit more, you can have a chance, aren't you, in that downswing? Correct. Correct, correct. It's, you know, and, and certainly it was in golf instruction, I would say in the last couple of years, the flavor of the day has been, you know, let's get this, let's get this lead wrist looking like John Rahm's lead wrist, DJ's lead wrist. And people say, why? Why are you doing that when so many, the, the, the majority of pros at the top have some cup in the back of their lead wrist? Well, here's the deal. Henrik Stenson is A, more talented than you. Henrik Stenson is B, uh, he works harder at his golf than you. And so how can we make it easier for the everyday golfer to try to get, because we've got to get that, that wrist, that face angle, as you said there, Piers, we've got to get that face angle in place so that we can rotate. Because as soon as that face is compromised, and typically it gets open on the way down, the player, the, the rotation stalls and the hands fire, and that's where yeah, the yeah. act of consistency comes from. Well, act of consistency. It is, and I think it's a, I think a really interesting part, as, as we're talking about this now, I'm just thinking about all the golfers who are, are working at all the wrong things because they're trying to make it look good. And us as coaches, yeah. we get in there and go, well, look, 
Yes, we may want to make it look a little bit better, but we're interested about, about how it's going to change impact. And actually, if you're stalling at impact, what's the cause of that? What's the actual reason that's stopping you from that? And, and we see it all the time that golfers are, are so fixated on trying to fix the, 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 you know, the early extension or trying to fix the hanging back, but they're not necessarily sure of actually, well, what's the, what's the thing that's stopping them from doing that? And they can spend years at trying to fix something that actually is just never going to be fixed <laughs> because they need to be able to position the club face or their arms or their body in a better position to enable them to actually create that sort of right move on the way down or whatever it is. And I think it's something that we see all the time in our the people who send us videos or even in our members group on, on Facebook. They'll, it, it still amazes me. They'll post a, a video of their swing and they'll say, um, can you give me any advice on my golf swing? And they haven't told you about the ball flights. They haven't told you what their goals are. They're so, they're so fixated on just trying to make the golf swing look good instead of actually trying to make it functional. And, you know, we don't know whether they want to play a fade, a draw, they hit it too high or too low. And, and yeah. uh, it's, I think it's just key understanding your goals, what you want out of the game. Then you can start to understand what you need to change back down at the golf ball. So, so well said there, really great, uh, because if you keep in mind, there's players on tour that have had success hitting it high. Jack Nicholas hit it high. Uh, Lee Trevino hit it low. Uh, players that hit draws, Rory McIlroy, players that hit fades, DJ. Uh, there's a lot of players in each of those categories, and you, it's not just, they certainly don't swing the same. There's so many different swings out there. There's so many different ways of delivering the club to the ball effectively. Uh, it's hard to find that way, but you've got to have your destination in mind. None of us would set up on a trip across country without knowing exactly where we're going. Uh, and so we need to establish what we want function-wise, and then we start to build the form around that. And too often, I, I know old school, you know, should the club head, I had a gentleman ask me online this morning, should the club head be in line with my hands at, at like P2 or in front of my hands or, you know, what's okay? I was like, well, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, it matters as we get, the golf swing matters as we get, as the club head gets closer to the golf ball. And that's the biggie. That's what golfers need to understand. Let's worry more about this part as we're getting closer to impact. Um, because that's where we have no time to change. And so that thing had better be tracking on the right track for what you're looking for. Uh, and yeah. how can you position things prior to that, fundamental-wise, alignment-wise, setup-wise, um, to influence the club at that late point coming into impact so you can start to get what you're looking for. The, the whole key about golf is this. We set up over a shot. We look at the situation in front of us. We have a picture in our head. Well, this shot would fit best here. How predictably can you use that golf club to cause the ball to match the picture in your head? Imagine a day of golf where the ball matched the picture in your head on every shot. That'd be nice. You, <laughs> you would never want to go home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd never like go home. That. I heard a great story where someone was interviewing Sam Sneed, and they said, uh, Sam, what's the worst score you could ever imagine shooting? And so he thought for a while, and he said, 19. 
Just just a, a quick one. I, I, you alluded to this, and I'm always, always keen to find out from great coaches like yourself on this. You mentioned physical limitations. Obviously, on your golf scores or whatever, just in the lesson team normally, you're seeing these physical limitations all the time. How do you go about either changing them or allowing for them? What's your process kind of for that? Uh, great question, Piers. I, I, I was actually just the other day when I walked past the driving range and I saw these same swings again and again and again. Uh, I, 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 you know, you guys are always coming up with great ideas for content, and I'm, I, I'm talking with my wife, and she helps me with that. And I said, "Oh, I got a video. I got a video." You know, the three keys to to get moving in your golf swing to get. I haven't got the title yet, but to get rid of the arms. And, or, or just have less emphasis on the arms, and really, it's it's it ties in with exactly what you're you're asking. Because what percentage of golfers, oftentimes coaches will say to me, "Do you screen physically? Do you do an evaluation physically?" And I'm like, "No." Here's why: because people who just want to hit the ball better are not super concerned with a physical screening. They just want to hit the ball better. It's like, and now I'm going to take three hours out of your time. They want to come and they want to take their one-hour lesson and hopefully hit some better shots. And if I'm any good, they're going to be hitting better shots. And so I can see this guy can't move. I don't need to prove it to him. I can see that he, he's inflexible and he can't move. Um, I need to take what he's brought to my lesson team and use that to get the club to communicate appropriately with the golf ball. And so I'm a big fan of, let's get the lead heel up off the ground. Let's get the hips and the chest, the shoulders pivoting together instead of creating that torque where we've got that lower body resistance and that upper body wind. Uh, I think yeah. that's a big limiting factor, particularly with golfers that are limited already. And so let's get the hips, that belt buckle, turned away from the target as much as possible. I want to see a huge hip turn. I want to see the trail legs straighten out. Uh, and let's get the hands as high as possible. Lead heel off the ground, massive rotation in the hips, big handle displacement. Get the hands. It's never going to be bubba high. I get that. But I want them to have that picture of, getting those hands up there. Um, that's going to do a couple of fabulous things that most of these golfers struggle with is uh, it's going to get the club, the arms deeper. So it's more across them. So now they've got an incentive to rotate. Um, Absolutely. It's going, it's going to give them a longer time to exert force on the handle of the club, which you know what happens when we do that? Speed goes up. Uh, it's also going to get things more to the inside. And so here's the deal. All of a sudden, that kind of low ball hitting nub fader <laughs> golfer is going to start to swing five miles an hour faster without doing really much. Um, they're going to start to hit the ball from the inside. It's going to go higher. It's going to go further, and it's going to draw. And all of a sudden, the coach seems like some kind of a god. The Messiah. And, yeah, I, I think that's so important. That's such an important message to get across uh, as golfers age, as they get physically less flexible, less strong, 
um, how can we take advantage of some of that stuff? Yeah, I think there's... I guarantee you'll have a. I'm sorry, I was going to say, I guarantee you'll have a 50 year old turn up to your golf lesson who's trying to get a 30 degree hip turn in the backswing because they saw that Rory McIlroy was doing it. Yeah, I think there's yeah. two key, good luck. Two key <laughs> points there that I can really, I think they are really useful for the for the the, the listeners here, isn't? And that is that we see as coaches that golfers just aren't rotary enough. They're not as round as we'd like to see them. So therefore, as exactly what you've said there, Andrew, getting them straightening the right leg, getting them turning, getting the handle more behind them just really helps them get into a better place. But also, one other thing is don't look at the best players and try and do what they do. Because what the best players are trying to do, they're, they're conditioned, they're, they're so different to the average golfer. So what Tiger and DJ and Rory does, um, that doesn't mean that you should be attempting any, anything like that. You know, it's generally... We, these are the things that we're seeing. We need more rotation. We need more roundness to the golf swing, not less, restri- not more restriction and less hip turn. Yeah, so true. I had, I received a great email. I've got this one student of mine, and he comes to see me a couple times a year. But he will pepper me with, on a weekly basis. I'll just get like an email with a YouTube link in it from this guy, and he's like, he's pretty much saying, Andrew, check this out. This is amazing. Okay. And so he's watched a few of these lockdown learning sessions that I've done with, with some of the really technical coaches that I've had on. And he sends me an email like two days ago. He says, Andrew, I'm turning in my amateur golf coach card. He says, <laughs> I know nothing. Um, and it really, it, it really is true. You know, I think there's, there's so much misinformation out there, not to mention information from, you know, the 1980s that players have held on to. Keep the club in front of you. Resist strengthening that back, that trail leg. Um, you know, keep it low. Swing easy. All of these ideas, they've got to go. They've got to go. Uh, we certainly, as a, as a coaching community, uh, we don't know it all. But we really are, I think, advancing. I, and I shouldn't say I think. I know we're advancing. Yeah. We're really advancing. We've got some great technology uh, available to us to help us quantify what's really happening. And I chatted with Mark Crossfield the other day, and Mark was talking about, you know, Jack Nicholas came along and hit it mild and dominated. And, and we all went, oh, that's cool. And then for the next 20 years, we pretty mm-hmm. much... This, this lineup of, you know, Nick Feldo and Curtis Strange and Tom Kite and Corey Pavin, we had pretty much precision golfers, to say it nicely. They were dinkers, okay? They just dinked <laughs> it out there um, compared to these power players. And it's almost like as modern-day golf instruction came to the forefront, and it was with these players that it came to the forefront, uh, we lost sight of the evidence that was in front of us. Now, why didn't we really see it? Because we weren't able to quantify it through technology or through statistics. We just said, wow, that Nicholas kid, he hits it mild. He's really good. Uh, And so we didn't latch on to what made him good. Statistics, we didn't have. Technology, we didn't have. Tiger comes along, starts hitting it mild. We get statistics. Our eyes open up. We get technology to measure. Our eyes open up further. And now we go, okay, wow, hold on, change that, forget that. We need to realign ourselves with stuff that's important when it comes to coaches. And I think as coaches, we're always 
searching. We're on a quest for what's important. You guys said to me, what's my concept? What's my philosophy? Well, it's the early part of the announcing. Why? Because I think that's important. I think that plays a big role in how the player is able to move and how the player is able to deliver the club to the ball. Brilliant. And uh, it's something we always say all the time is, look, you, you can't improve what you don't measure. And I think that brings us to sort of talking about technology and, and how important it is in, in your coaching and, uh, and some of the things that you use then, Andrew. So how important is technology for you and what are the, the technologies that you use? Because when we look at your coaching, we, we see that you use technology, but we see you use it in a really good way you know, in a very simple way and an effective way that allows you to get the best out of your students? Guys, the first thing I'm going to talk about is not really what you're expecting when it comes to technology. It's using these super cool iPhones that we all have, these, this camera technology. Uh, I still remember back in the day I had, you guys may have had them, the Sony 300 FPS camera that cost a fortune and guys would buy them for half price and sell them for double online and golf coaches would buy them up and have a whole stash of them and we thought that was great and I still remember the one day I went to see a, a friend of mine who was a golf coach and he showed me this footage and I said what is this where did you get this this is it was like so clear and it was slow-mo and he said oh it's an iPhone and like <laughs> the next week I sold my Sony camera um and so technology-wise, I think is a, it, it really is cool. I have my iPhone on a tripod on the tee. I use it to take video that ties into the soft, the softman, TrackMan software. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I also use a, a, a training app called CoachNow. You guys may have something different that you use. There's so many different options. This is not to promote CoachNow at all, but it's just a way where someone comes to me for an hour-long lesson. I'm recording about 20 minutes of information for that person. I come home, I'm going to upload photos, I'm going to upload articles, I'm going to upload more information for that student. Someone comes to me and takes a, a three-day golf school, they've got a minimum of six hours of presentations, uh, photographs, articles, slow-mo swings of theirs, slow-mo swings of other players that might match up well for them. Uh, and that's how I can communicate with students. Back in the old days, it was like you had to, you know, write someone a letter to see how they were doing. <laughs> but it's, it's so much easier. And I do think that technology can help us as coaches a tremendous amount in that regard, in that regard. And, and that's cool. Okay. Now we'll get to what you guys are digging for. Uh, TrackMan. I, I, I was exposed to TrackMan in 2010. And... It seems like much, much long ago, but really, it's only a decade ago. TrackMan's really been pretty much mainstream. Well, I wouldn't say mainstream. It's been mainstream maybe for five or six years, but it seems like it's been around a long time. And this isn't necessarily TrackMan. It's all radar, uh, club, and ball tracking technology. So how do I use it? I use it in every lesson, every swing lesson, I should say where it's set up on the tee and it's gathering information and beeping away in the background. Uh, and I'm going to use it to help diagnose the problem. It, uh, I see what the ball flight is. I see the way the player's moving. I take some video. But I can look at the numbers and go, okay, um, your uh, ball flight's very low. We need to elevate the flight of your golf ball. We need to start carrying the ball a little bit more distance. 
Why is that? Pac-Man says, well, the player's angle of attack with a 7-iron is 8 degrees down, and they're delivering 17 degrees of loft. And so now this golf ball is going to launch around 14, and the player's going, well, yeah, you know, I just I don't hit the ball very far, and I struggle with um, fairway woods, and, you know, it's just uh, I'm good in the wind and at Carnoustie, okay? Um, yeah, I, I see why, okay, because I'm not getting the ball up in the air. And so in the first part of my lesson, I'm using that technology to diagnose what the problems are, okay? So I say to the student, come over here, come check this out. Uh, this is where you are, attack angle-wise, and I'd like for us to be at this number. You're eight down, I'd like for us to be at three down. Dynamic loft, you're at 18, I'd like for you to be at 25. So here's a drill we're going to work on. We're going to work on this drill, da, 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 da. I record that, I save that for the students so they can watch that later. But technology now, TrackMan stays on, or I may even shut it off for 30, 40 minutes while we get some work done. Then I'll pop it on back at the end of the lesson. As long as I'm seeing that ball going higher, I'm happy. <laughs> okay. The carry is going up. I'll put it, I'll pop it back on at the end of the lesson for the last 10 minutes, and the student can go, wow, I was carrying my 7-iron 128. I'm now carrying it 146. Uh, simply because my club speed is kind of the same, but I'm delivering more loft. Uh, my attack angle is two down. That's kind of where you wanted it. That's good. I've got 24, 25 degrees of loft at impact. Wow, that's causing my ball to go double the height that it was going before, and it's carrying significantly longer. And so in the latter stages of a lesson, that technology is guiding me on how I, the coach, am doing. Is my information accurate? And I will say this, I'm wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm not as wrong. I'm, I'm not wrong as often as I used to be. I'm still wrong. Uh, but don't be proud as a coach to be flexible enough because the objective's going to stay the same. I still want this player's ball to go higher. But the little drill that I gave the player early on might not work. And the numbers, the ball flight is going to stay down. And so I need to be flexible enough as a coach to say, hey, listen, that drill, we're throwing that thing out. That's not working. Okay. The bullfight's not coming up. I've got to give you something. Don't ever change the objective once you set that direction. But I've got to give you something to help you get to that destination. And so that's how that's 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 the main piece of technology that I use. I use um, I also use K-Motion. I have, I have a system, the full-on system. I use it primarily in my golf schools uh, simply because I find that it takes a bit of time. I teach outdoors. And for those coaches that have an indoor setup, you can have it set up there ready to go and pop the, pop the vest on and pop the bands on and go, okay, you can get a quick measurement. Outdoors, when I've got one-hour lessons, I find that it's a little cumbersome to use in a one-hour lesson. And so I'll use it primarily on day two in my three-day golf schools, and I set it up. I now know day two I've got a plan for each student in the school, and so I'll set that up for biofeedback. And essentially, we'll go, myself and my assistant, we'll go, okay, this person needs to feel uh, more right side bend and hip rotation at impact. And we'll set it up on those two parameters. And so they've got it, the, the student sets up, they're not hitting shots, 
but they've got to get in a position with the system on, with the, the, the sensors on them. They've got to go and find that sound and get that feedback. And they go, wow, I, I never knew it felt like that. And it's neat. So it'll give it a tone to back up the feel. Exactly. They Yes. And, and they've got, wow, I never realized it had to feel that way and to what degree. And so, so often as coaches, we can move students back in the old days when we touched our students. So we could move. I wonder how that's going to go. Um, we could move. Students, uh, but now it's the case of, you know, we've got to give them some cues. We've got to give them some modeling. Uh, but they ultimately are going to have to go and find those spots themselves. Hi guys, Andy here. Just wanted to interrupt you because we are so excited about a new project that we have just launched and it is called Complete Putting. Now this is our most requested coaching plan. Everybody wanted a putting coaching plan so we've created it just for you guys. And it's a four week plan that covers everything in it from how to read the greens, how to create a consistent putting stroke to start the golf ball online, how to really dial in your pace control as well as really finding the right equipment. And we're so excited about this. This is the best plan in our minds of what we've created. And it's going to be launching at the end of June over at meandmygolf.com. So just wanted to give you guys a heads up and make sure you check it out then. Let's get back to the podcast. So, so I think just a couple of things that you've said. Well, one thing that you've said there is, uh, which I think is great, it's it sort of the, you use technology to make sure that you're on the right track, to, to make sure that you're doing a good job and it's quantifiable, yeah. it's measurable. How beneficial do you think it is or have you seen it is as well for the, for the, um, the, the person who's having the lesson? Do you see that, you know, when they see that they've, they've improved their dynamic loft and they're up to 25 and their attack angle's lower and, and they can see the numbers and they can see the ball flight, do yeah. you notice a change in them? They're like, oh my God, now I've got proof. That's amazing. Now I'm more motivated to practice because I can see that the results are there. Do you find that that's a, a, a part from technology that you that helps the amateur that wouldn't wasn't necessarily there before? No doubt about it, Andy. No doubt about it. It helps tremendously. And here's, Here's the cool takeaway with this type of technology is you go and take a lesson, you go and spend some time in front of this technology, and it doesn't mean that from that day onward you're hooked to technology. You can't hit a ball. Your brain is just so jumbled with numbers. It honestly doesn't work like that. Here's what I always make the point to say. If, let's say, the player's behind peak height off the ground, that low ball hitter is like 35 feet. I want them to get to 75 feet. Towards the end of the lesson, they had better be hitting like between 70 and 80 feet off the ground, okay, if I've done my job. And thankfully, that happens often. So, and I go, okay, forget the numbers. You see that ball flight? Come on, hit another one. See what that looks like? And people will never forget what that looks like. And so I said, that's all you need. That's all you need. You don't need this box behind you. You don't need the numbers. You just need to see that, okay? And people can, people can remember that. And people leave and they go, I've got the feel that I need. Technology is in place to help golfers get the feel that they need to deliver the appropriate numbers, club, whatever we want to call it. Yeah. yeah. 
makes total sense. Makes total sense. Let's go. Let's go into stats a little bit because I know, obviously, you know, we've heard you speak on the live you did with Andy on stats. You know, we know how important they've been for professional players. Think of Dustin Johnson. Think of the Ryder Cup, the last Ryder Cup at Paris National, about how Thomas Bjorn really used the stats to his to even pick his team in that instance. I think so. We yeah. know their importance, hands down importance. But for an amateur golfer to think about logging stats, or for the majority of them to think about logging stats and understanding which ones are the important ones for them, how would you recommend a golfer, first of all, start to keep its stats and how he should do that? And then what sort of things should they be looking for? Great. Uh, here's, here's the deal stats are low-hanging fruit and here's the deal if if a golfer is truly set on lowering their score because there's two types of lesson takers those who are just looking to hit better shots and those who are looking to lower their handicap lower their scores and sometimes you know that that happens to go hand in hand but i teach a lot of people who just you know i if I shoot 90, it's okay. I just want to, like, get my ball up in the air. I just want to hit some shots that feel better. Okay? And, and just excuse me on that as well. That's important for the coach's initial question, isn't it, to the, yes. to the golfer? What do you want, sir or madam? What would you like to achieve? And then if you get an inkling that they haven't quite given you the right answer, because, you know, first time you meet somebody, it might not, you might not quite get the right answer. You know, you ask that question again and saying, well, look, again, just reaffirming, what is it that you actually want? Are you okay just hitting it well? If so, that's the first golf you just mentioned. Yes, 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 for sure. Uh, and so to me, when I say low-hanging fruit, I'm like, uh, I'm affiliated with Arcos. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But the average Arcos user saves, lowers their handicap 4.2 strokes per year. That's, out of, that's not like just, hey, we, we, we tested 100 golfers. That's 300,000 golfers. on average okay higher handicappers more lower handicappers less but for everybody thrown into the same pot it's 4.2 strokes so this is easy money here this is easy Mm. money golfers have access to but not enough golfers are doing it why and you touched on this here Uh, why because it's difficult it's tedious it's cumbersome and i'm telling you there's technology coming that's going to make it so much easier it's going to make the average golfer have access to not quite as good as PGA Tour level statistics, but pretty close. The average golfer will have access to strokes gained. They will have access to their strengths, their weaknesses, and that's a huge thing. Uh, what Arcos is doing, uh, in the middle of this year, they're coming out with a little clip that you can put on your belt. Uh, that tracks all the shots. Each club has a unique sensor in it. You hit a shot, you go out, you hit start on your phone, put your phone away, and you go and play around the golf. And when you're done, boom, it's there. Um, it, 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 the value in that is incredible. I've used 11, I've, I've used Arcus for 11 rounds now. And just a couple of interesting things. I need to, A, get longer off the tee. B, I need to improve my chipping. Uh, but another couple of interesting things that I see, my iron miss tendency is pull. 
I know why that is. I need to work technically on a certain, I get my arms deeper, okay? And so they get out and I, I miss tending to the left. Uh, also another interesting nugget that I picked up on my own game is driver, I have a driver, a three wood and a three hybrid in my bag. I hit those three clubs more than I hit four, five, six, seven, eight, nine pitch combined. And so how am I practicing? How am I practicing? Uh, I know that I... Nine out loads of seven irons. Nine out of ten practices the iron. And this is kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. And so um, there's this really such great information. In addition to, to, to all that great information, with Arcos as a coach... I can connect with my students, and so I can log on and look at every shot they've played. I can look at every round they've played and go, hey, Andy, what happened on the sixth hole last week? You know, what were you thinking hitting one iron out of that fairway bunker? You know? Uh, you've you've seen me play. Stuff. You've seen me play. <laughs> no, no, you know, he was three down, Andrew. That was the problem. <laughs> <laughs> three down on six. Wow, that was a rough start. Uh, <laughs> But, but you, you, you get the picture, and, and I really think that it's almost like there's, there's this, I call it a numbers bucket that we need to tap into and do a better job with co as coaches. I think we need to do a better job with golfers in getting them to see just some probabilities. Probabilities. I, I, I had a, a famous story that I've told a number of times in some of the presentations where I I was playing at Valderrama and I was playing with this friend of mine, older guy, and uh, we were on a trip in Spain and we had our sights set on Valderrama and we were going to bring the court to its knees. Well, uh, we were on our knees by the time we got to the 17th hole, but we both hit good drives, okay? And so there's always hope for every golfer. And I had like 196 yards to the green, and this player, he was playing from tees ahead of me. He had like 205 to the green. Well, this golfer doesn't fly his driver 205. <laughs> he thinks he does. He thinks he does. Okay? And so he's got his three-wood out, and I go through this 10-minute rigmarole. Give me that club, and I grab his club, and eventually I've got like half of his set in my golf cart because I'm not going to let him <laughs> going through all these horrible choices, horrible decisions. And so I told this story to Dr. Mark Brody and he ran the numbers and he said from 200 yards over a hazard going for a green, he said in order to make it statistically feasible, in order to make it, in other words, to make it the right decision, the player needs to get their golf ball over the hazard 90% of the time. 90% of the time. Okay? And so I think that's a nice little nugget to take. The next time you got 200 yards, 180 meters, you got a shot over a hazard. Ask yourself, can I get 9 out of 10 over there? Uh, and yeah. not, and you still go for the shot? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're, you're catering to your ego, to your emotion more than your intellect. Um, and it's these kind of numbers that I think we need to, as coaches, do a better job communicating to students. Uh, 
PGA, the average putter on the PGA Tour misses 50% of their eight footers. Um, the, the, the average proximity from 150 yards in the fairway to the target for an 80 shooter is 42 feet. 42 feet. Where are you aiming? And <laughs> to have, I, I think numbers and statistics, and there's so much that golfers can, can take away from the, having that discussion and perhaps understanding statistics and numbers better. Uh, that's going to save a lot of shots. I think so you think they're a good idea then? <laughs> <laughs> I think you know, are, what, you know what? Absolutely. I, I think for the guys who are really serious about improving their score, if they were to put a little bit of time into that, then they're going to see a lot of benefits. And like you said, it's the it's the low hanging fruit. You know, they could spend time on the range working at their backswing at P two and P three, but actually. Go and look at your stats. You can probably save a few more shots by actually just doing a little bit of research on your game. Definitely. Totally. Okay, right. We've got, we're almost at the quickfire round. We're respectful of your time, Andrew. But just one quick one before we get to the quickfire. Where do you see the future of technology and coaching moving forward? What's, what do you see that's coming up next? What's the future? Guys, I think it's got to be ease of use. And touching on with those, those stat tracking programs, uh, initially, it's difficult. You, you, who wants to fill out a form after every hole you've played? You just want to go and play golf. And certainly for coaches, talking about K-Motion, it's, it's like, how can I put three stickers on your body and get a 3D reading? Uh, how can I just drop a, a mat on the range, pull out my iPad and see your ground pressure? I think it's got to be ease of use. Uh, I know all of the companies that I've mentioned are working on that. Uh, they understand that it's got to be easy for coaches to use and it's got to be easy to understand, comprehend the information. I think graphs yeah. are going to go by the wayside. They'll always be in the background for people that want to dig deep into that. Uh, but that ease of use and that communication, technology is only going to get better. But let's, you know, a quick discussion on radar technology. Um, Impact lasts for one two thousandth of a second. Uh, the club face is oftentimes flexing during impact. The ball is certainly flexing during impact. The face angle is changing through impact. The club path is changing. The, everything is changing during that impact interval. And so when people say, well, it's not accurate, here's the deal. Uh, there's a lot of smart people working at all of those companies, investing a lot of their time, a lot of their money to give us coaches and players the best product possible. And so if you're paying 200 pounds or $20,000 for your product, you're going to get something that's commensurate with what you've paid. But it's going to give you, as long as you understand the bucket that that technology fits in, it's going to give you actionable information. Whether it's just, hey, it's giving me club speed. I'm working on improving, increasing my club speed. Or it's giving me everything from dynamic lie to dynamic loft to carry distance. Um, it's going to be relatively accurate, but nothing can be perfect when it comes to ballistics between a club face and a golf ball. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Totally agree. Absolutely. I love that as well. I think ease of use, that'd be great for everybody, coaches and for people obviously using it. Right. Quick fire round. We always do these. They never end up being quick fire though, do they, Andy? But we've got some good questions. (laughs) So what's the best advice you've ever had? Best? Oh, geez, man. This is is a tough. The best of do the right thing and you will not go wrong. I like it. Love it. Very, very simple. Love it. What's the best? I, yeah, absolutely. What's the best on-course advice you could give an amateur? So on-course advice. Know who you are as a golfer. Don't go for that green from 200 yards over there. Yeah, no you you limitations. But it, isn't it isn't isn't that really the difference between a, a single figure handicapper and a teens and a and a high you know twenty plus handicaps you know they the the, the single figure golfers they know the limitations a lot better. I thought uh, I, I teach a golfer that played on the Walker Cup team many many years ago. He's older now, and he was on track man getting warmed up and he'd hit some shots for me. And I said he's not a big numbers guy, uh, and I said to him how far do you carry that club? And he said, 158. And four out of the five shots had carried 158 point something. And then I have 20 handicappers who come to my golf school and I say, how far do you hit a seven iron? And they go, 165. And I look at their, their, firstly, that's a total number from their best shot from, you know, 1982. Uh, <laughs> We, we just, yeah, we need to be, know who you are. If you know who you are, you're going to shoot better scores. You're going to hit better shots and you're going to beat up on your buddies. Who wouldn't want that? Absolutely. I love that. I love that. What's the best golf course you've ever played? Royal Melbourne West. Did you see how long it took me to answer that one? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of our favorites as well, isn't it? I think it's, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it there? Did you guys have to repair any ball marks? No, no, I don't think we did. I don't think we did. I don't think so, no. It was so firm hitting into those greens. It's amazing. We've all played golf courses with firm greens. But honestly, you could spend 20 minutes looking for a ball mark at Royal Melbourne, and there just isn't one. Uh, the uh, It's quite interesting because... We, we took a group, we, we take a group all over the place. And so we took this group of golfers and we were playing Royal Melbourne West. And I said, guys, look, we played some firm greens, but these are going to be the firmest greens out of the whole trip that, we, you know, that you've ever played. And so the first hole from the President's Cup is that short little par four. Uh, and Tony Fina actually spoke about this in my interview with him a couple of weeks ago. Um, Short little par four, and it's quite subtle. Not a lot of people know it, but the green actually tips away from the player. It, it, it's very subtly angled from front to back. And so I had explained to this couple that I was playing with, funnily enough, it so happens to be the same guy who wanted to go for the green at Valderrama. <laughs> I played with him and his wife, and they had like 110 yards into the green, and the pin was slightly forward, which is the most brutal pin on that green even though it's open it's just when you know it it's that's a hard pin so i said guys watch out right here so they both hit good shots they're decent players they both hit good shots and their golf balls landed fairly close to the pin 
One of them had 42 yards coming back. One had 48 yards. They both wow. ran 15 feet of the pin on the green. 42 yards and 48 yards. <laughs> Brilliant. And, and I, think, so, I think the green structures there are just phenomenal, aren't they? They're so lovely. Tony Fida told a cool story. He said on the Monday, the first um, practice round that the U.S. team went out and played, he said they're, they're busting drivers and some guys are hitting five irons and laying up. And, and he said uh, once they had all played their second shot, there was nobody on the green. <laughs> nobody was on who the was, green. Who, who was it? Who was, when we played, Andy, we played we played those two young lads and they yeah. said that they watched President's Cup when it was there before. Was it President's Cup? He's been there twice, yeah? That's, yeah, I think it's been there twice. And they were saying that Bubba had a putt of around about, I forget which hole it was. He had about a 10 or a 12 footer. And then his next shot was a 40 yard pitch. <laughs> yeah. It was on number five at part three. Yeah, I think that, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Phenomenal golf course. Phenomenal. Love it. Okay. Love so it. what's, what's the best thing about being a coach? The best thing about being a coach is, being able to bring joy to people, uh, being a being able to get people to make people happy, uh, I think that's so cool. Uh, you know, if I worked at here in America, we call it the DMV, you know, Department of Motor Vehicles. If I worked there, that, that's kind of the opposite job. You make people unhappy. Um, no, you need this form. Come back tomorrow. You know. Um, <laughs> But being a golf coach, we get to make people happy and we get to solve problems for people and, and just ultimately make their life better. I like that. Yep. Great answer. I love that. I love that. Uh, what would you change in golf? I would love to see, this may be controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway. I would love to see bifurcation uh, between the professional level and everybody else. Everybody else keep doing what you're doing pros sorry this is your golf ball uh go have some fun i would like to see that why here's why because i would love to see an international tournament played stroke play event played at royal melbourne west and whilst it would be tremendously fun to watch those players play and President's Cup was amazing. I watched every shot. Uh, it was awesome. But, but the winning score at Royal Melbourne West is going to be like 24 under par. Purely mm -hmm. because on that hole that, I met, that, that we were talking about, players are going to drive the ball next to the green. And that shouldn't be the case. And so what's happening is these players who they're not necessarily better athletes. They're the same athletes they were 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But... Our information, the technology, the training, the fitting um, is all so much further down the road. Mm -hmm. uh, players are training for golf now. Back yeah. in Jack Nicholas's day, players didn't train. They just played golf. Um, mm -hmm. Now they're doing everything all day long. And so players have found a way to get the most out of it. And they're overpowering these super cool, awesome golf courses mm -hmm. and circumventing the intent of these great old school designers and I, for, for no other reason, don't get me wrong, Rory McIlroy, Tiger Woods, DJ are still going to be top of the game. They're still yeah. going to be there. But I think what it would do, there would still be birdies, there would still be uh, amazing scores posted, uh, but it brings in 
golf as it was meant to be played. And it also brings in a whole host of these additional golf courses. And so I would, I would, I think that would be cool. I would like to see that. It'd be quite cool to see an amateur golfer as well, as you're saying, reducing the ball, reducing the technology, and an amateur golfer suddenly is hitting drives the same distance as Rory McIlroy. That's quite cool for them as well, I suppose. Why not? You know, why not? Um, Enjoyment. It all comes down to that word, one word. Yeah, exactly. The game is hard. Let's let's make it fun. Um, and if you want to be a professional, uh, this here's here's the deal. You got to change up. All right, so we have one more question. Yeah, yeah. We have one more question. We ask this of everybody. So we'd like you to build the perfect golfer. Now, yeah, build the perfect golfer. So someone who's best driver you've seen, best iron player, best short game, and best putter. Okay, so um, for driving, I'm going to go Greg Norman. Great show. Greg Norman for irons, the man in the red shirt. That's an easy one. Okay, I, I've seen the numbers. <laughs> I've seen the results. <laughs> We've all seen the results. We may not have seen the numbers, but the numbers say it ain't even close. Um, yeah. Short game, I would go with. I'm going to go with Brett Rumford. Yeah. Gets in Brett. there a lot. He really gets in there a lot. And putting, I would go with, I'm friends with Brad, fact, but fact, you ain't making this lineup, sorry. Um, putting, I would go with Jack Nicklaus. Because I have never seen a player make putts when they have to make putts, as well as Jack. There we go. I don't think anyone's used Jack yet, Pierce, actually. I don't think anyone's no. used Jack, which is surprising. No. So, um, yeah, it's nice to have him show up. He's, he's, he's not a bad player, is he? He, wasn't a bad player. <laughs> he did all right, didn't he? He did okay. Is, is there anyone who hasn't picked Tiger for iron? Yeah, there's, there's been a, quite a few who've, who've ditched him for something else. There's, yeah, with some of the players that we do this with, we do it based on their experience of a round or a tournament that they played with somebody. So, you know, I think Lee Westwood got in there the yeah. once because of just one specific round where it was just awesome. But I think if you ask them all who is the best, they're, they're going to say Tiger. Okay, okay, yes. Pretty good golfer there. I would hope so. I would yes. hope so. Brilliant. Well, look, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. I know you've got a call like any second now, so really appreciate you jumping on. It's great to talk. You know, it's just great to connect. And these times that we've had over the last however many weeks, it's been great to sort of connect with a few guys and it's a pleasure to have you on and uh, share your information and knowledge with our listeners as well. Is there, um, where's the best place or the most active for them to find you and, and sort of follow you or contact you? Guys, I am everywhere, although not as everywhere as you guys are. Um, I, if you, I'm everywhere where Andrew Rice Golf is, whether it's uh, Instagram, Twitter, my website, andrewricegolf.com, uh, you name it, you can find me at Andrew Rice Golf. Uh, I always try to do some trips over to Europe, uh, over to the UK. We'll do some seminars, we'll do some schools over there. We'd love to get together with you guys and, and connect and hopefully do some work together. Brilliant. Absolutely. Brilliant. Sounds brilliant. Well, thanks again, Andy. Great to thanks, have you yeah. on. Awesome. We'll, uh, have a great day, yeah. Stay safe. Cheers. Thank thanks you. Thank you. Pleasure. Yeah, you too. You too. Thanks. 
So we hope you enjoyed that. What's, what a great podcast there with Andrew Rice. Fantastic guest with some valuable information there to help you game. Make sure you follow him on socials. He really does some great stuff. Now, a lot of people ask us, how can we get coaching from you? Now, what we've created over at meandmygolf.com is what we feel is the best thing out there for online learning. We've created a platform that really enables you to progress in, in a very structured way. We've created these coaching plans, which nobody else does, where we actually guide you week by week to achieving your goals. We tell you how to practice, what to practice, as well as give you so many different valuable tools that you can use on the driving range or on the golf course. We've got break 100, break 90, we've got break 80 plans, a slice to, to draw plan, we've even got a flexibility plan, plus so much more. And we, our Facebook members group is amazing as well, where all our members go, they share stories, they upload golf swings, they share tips and things that are helping them with their game as well. So we'd love to see you over there. If you want to really improve your game and go a little deeper, then this platform is definitely for you. And we do a free trial. So make sure you check it out and let us know your feedback. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks again.